This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're into the home stretch here with Catherine Swift, John Turley Ewart. Every Wednesday, we get into the roundtable discussion, and there's so much to uh, drill down on. Great grist for the mill, and it just uh, keeps on giving. In fact, I've got to ask because uh, there's Trump involved in, when I say that, uh, in a tertiary way on uh, a couple of stories, but he seems to be a trigger of sorts or a convenient excuse. There's the story of Canada's ambassador to China, John McCallum, who uh, was in a press conference with. Only Chinese media in Markham on Tuesday, yesterday. and uh, But it surfaced now. He weighed in on this whole story of the woman who's to be extradited to the United States, Meng Wanzhou, uh, the Huawei executive. Uh, the states plan to file papers, according to our ambassador to the U.S. Uh, they've got a deadline before January 30th, so we're on the clock. But what McCallum said, were uh, there were good reasons that she has quite good arguments on her side to avoid extradition. One, Political involvement by comments from Donald Trump in her case. So, like, Trump has, you know, sort of uh, muddied the waters or influenced the case. Two, there's an extraterritorial aspect to her case. And three, there's the issue of Iran sanctions, which are involved in her case, because apparently she is accused of having violated those, the Americans and the Canadians. Uh, well, the Canadians, I don't believe, have sanctions placed against Iran, but the Americans do. And Canada does not sign on to these Iran sanctions. So I think she has some strong arguments that she can make before a judge. And he says it's purely a judicial process. Time may come when the justice minister is required to give a view. That won't be for some months to come, but I think she has quite a strong case. Now, Justin Trudeau uh, is kind of reeling here. He had to address these questions that were put to him, uh, and he made some noise about Canada being a country of rule of law. We'll make sure the rule of law is properly and fully followed and blah, 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 and kind of dodged it. But the uh, conservatives, their foreign affairs critic Aaron O'Toole said McCallum's comments uh, made after this meeting with the prime minister and his cabinet, you might recall, uh, earlier this week, raises questions about political interference. Uh, Why did he make these statements? So it's left us to muse, but why this was done strictly for Chinese media in Markham, no Canadian media allowed. Uh, Catherine, this one seems like it's pretty peculiar for McCallum to be doing this. How do you read it? Well, when I first first read about it, I, I wondered. I thought, this is extremely weird. I have no idea why they would do this. Um, th- th- this this government has been so conflicted, it seems, on China in general for, for its entire time. We, we know that Trudeau admired the basic dictatorship back in the day. Um, they've courted them for trade agreements and so on, while other countries are extremely worried and very justifiably so about, you know, espionage issues and, and intellectual property theft and all manner of things. Um, I, 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 I really, I don't know what to make of it. It was very bizarre. And of course, Trudeau's government is always tra- talking about how open and transparent it is. And here they have this sort of bizarro press conference with only Chinese media and Canadian media are excluded. Um, it, 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 could it be McCallum going rogue? I guess it's a possibility. Or maybe he's uh, throwing a bone to the Chinese. Or, or maybe and saying, they're trying to have it both ways, you know, right. exactly. They're throwing a bone and, and saying, oh, well, you know, 
we're really sort of on your side here, but yeah. we, we have to, you know, obey the rule of law or whatever lofty sentiments. Yeah, it it, seems, it's a pretty weird. It's a pretty weird it, thing. It, though. It's kind of like a dog whistle to the Chinese saying, just hang in. Uh, you know, we're going to find a way to massage this through uh, and mitigate any damage to us and maybe get our people back. How do you read it? John? So I, I don't read this as weird or, uh, at all. Uh, you know, growing up in a country uh, that's bilingual, we well remember the days where, you know, ministers would go and say something on French <laughs> media <laughs> that was completely different from what they said when you're speaking to the uh, English-speaking media. Uh, you know, this is this is nothing new. Here's what I think this is about. Uh, you know, Canada has a strong brand in China. Uh, uh, the, that Canadian brand has been beaten up by the, the Chinese uh, newspapers and officials in that country. Uh, by not inviting the Canadian media, that sent a very clear signal to me as a you know former journalist that uh, Mr. McCallum wanted to give a direct message to the Chinese people through those media sources. Uh, and I, I, I cannot think that this was anything but contrived. That is, we're going to sit down, we're going to tell the Chinese media, give them the message we want, and then, of course, when it comes back around our way, we'll have Christian Freeland release a nice message, which we did, she did, saying, hey, we follow the rule of law in this country, you know, kind of dismissive, Trudeau doing the same thing. But their goal was to get that message out to the Chinese media. My guess is, is because the U.S. is going to exercise their right to extradite this, this person, and things are going to get pretty bad pretty soon. They are, but but you still can't have it both ways. I mean, the days when Canadian politicians said one thing in French and one thing in English was long before we had the instantaneous communication. You know, we had that. Although they still try, they still try it on for size, but they always get nailed now. And and here, you know, let's face it, it, it's not going to be a secret. And I can't imagine the Chinese media or the you know, Canadian media are stupid enough to think, you know, this this is something that's a logical plan. It just looks like they're trying to suck and blow, and I don't think it looks good on them in any way. All right. So they're hedging. That's kind of interesting, though. He cited Trump as uh, interfering somehow in the case, and that might have damaged the, the credibility of the American extradition request. The Trump thing is uh, obviously, I mean, it's catnip to the left, <laughs> where you had even this point of... Uh, a story that is really disquieting because 15-year-olds went for uh, a trip to Washington last Friday, uh, the March for Life, and they were there outside the Lincoln Memorial and uh, wearing their Make America Great Again hats. And uh, next thing you know, they were being harassed and insulted by a group, a fringe group, uh, the black Hebrew Israelites who were, I can't even play you back some of the clips because it was all kinds of epithets and uh, homophobic slurs and so on and so forth against 15-year-old kids. But at the same time, uh, a native elder goes over with his drum. He's banging on the drum uh, and supposedly to try to calm the situation down. And the screen grab or picture that went widely disseminated across all media uh, was of this 15-year-old smirking in his face. And others, you know, the rowdy 15-year-old boys, as they are wont to do, kind of, you know, uh, giddy at this, you know, confrontation, if you will. But it turned out to be uh, read as white privileged kids from Kentucky at an all-boys Catholic school and disrespecting a native elder as well as... Uh, and then the memes came out, the left went nuts, including some people in credible sources like CNN and uh, MSNBC. The kids should be punched in the face. And, and they were docs. Their names were made available at 15. And uh, their residences... Their parents', their parents addresses distributed. Death threats ensued. It was crazy. The school had to be closed. <laughs> uh, the governor came out and uh, spoke in their defense. 
I guess what I'm asking here, I mean, uh, you're a media guy, John. Uh, you know, the adage that you get it first, but first get it right, how it was taken out of context and spun because certainly the MAGA hat was all the left needed to see, and uh, it turned into this media compounded by social a social media firestorm. Uh, did the media, mainstream media especially, the, the ones that should be responsible and get everything contextualized, really jump the shark on this, and how's that happening? Uh, well, it's happening because people want clicks, because what clicks are are money, dollars, right? It's eyeballs. And and people, all, you know, one of the first things I always say when I would uh, go and lecture about journalism to students uh, is I would say, what is a newspaper? What is a media outlet? It's a business. It makes, it's here to make money. And so today what's happened with, with our social media revolution is you want to get the story there as fast as possible on your uh, website so that you get as much traffic there as possible so you can get uh, side clicks on your advertising, paid for that, and paid for how long people t- stay on that advertising. The challenge is, though, for, for strong media outlets, and I think this is a lesson coming out of this, is that there has to be some breaks put on this so you tell the full story. And and the problem is, is that we have... Uh, it, it just showed how quickly people jump into a narrative that they're willing to believe and throw this narrative onto their pages, giving it credibility. And then, actually, when you do the research, you find out that the gentleman who was a native elder uh, who claimed to be a veteran of the Vietnam War, well, that is doubtful. Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the fellows who were uh, homophobic, that story was never told. Uh, and the response to those homophobic it's responses were group. never told. The black group of harassers and uh, insulters, right? Yeah, yeah, like none of that ever was told. And so what you have now is you have a lot of people walking back uh, their stories that they had done on, uh, you know, various uh, U.S. programs. Even the CBC had to walk this back as well. And I think it's a very important uh, instant in the history of journalism uh, today because it shows you, if you get it wrong, how, how, how much harm you can do to people. And that's what's happened in this story. Well, there was a story just last week. BuzzFeed as well uh, said that, you know, Trump had told Cohen, his lawyer at the time, to lie to Congress. And uh, then you had Mueller come out and say, you know, extraordinarily, because Mueller never quotes on anything, two years of this whole investigation, he's been mum. But he said, no, the narrative was wrong. They presented that story was wrong. But here's the problem with BuzzFeed. They used anonymous sources, right? You and, and when I worked in the newspaper business... You had that occasionally, but you had to stand up with someone to put their name on the record to say, this is what happened. Here's the proof. And the problem with BuzzFeed is they didn't do that. They were just working purely on anonymous sources, and they didn't check it with Mueller's office. Because what you would do is you go back and you would say, here's the evidence. Here's the proof. What do you say about this? And if they come back to you with no comment, or that's, uh, then you've got them on the record not denying it. That never happened here. The other, the other aspect of this is that certain stories get jumped on much more quickly than others. And as you said off the top, John, Trump is such a trigger that anything that looks as if, you know, that, that can look bad on him is flung. No research is done as to whether it's accurate or, or whatever. Well, it's led if to wanton irresponsibility. Happens, yeah, and I mean, I, I would argue the media does the reverse with Trudeau. When he does something stupid, which tends to happen fairly often, um, uh, there's all manner of cover-up and, and downplaying of it. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not a, it's, you know, all narratives are not created equal when this kind of thing happens. But the damage, I mean, the damage it does personally to people in our, in our day and age, putting somebody's, you know, address out there or, or other information well, by, like that. By is, in so far as that, but the damage also to the credibility of the media. Well, absolutely. For being perceived now as uh, they're not 
what do we call them, dispassionate or objective journalists, but they're advocates. They're almost, it's activist journalism. Uh, it, it is. In many cases, it, here's a perfect example. Toronto Star had a front page story the other day from their social justice reporter uh, <laughs> on their front page. How can that social justice reporter be anything but biased? I mean, they're there to do social justice. They're not there to tell a story about housing in terms of all the complexities of it. They're there to give the social justice point of view. But the Toronto Star—it's no, an reps, opinion piece, not they, a news piece. Yeah, but it's wrapped up as, as, as journalism news. and yeah. reporting. It's not reporting; it's commentary. All right, the lines have been blurred. I've got one more thing I wanted to throw at you. It has to do with the Canada Food Guide and uh, the impetus for some of their findings and the people who are offended by those. In a moment, with John Turley, you're at Catherine Swift. Oakley Show continues. Global News Radio. 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.